It's your girl, Marisa, and you are listening to the Heard That with Marisa Tigney podcast. The Heard That with Marisa Tigney podcast is sponsored in part by Holy Grail Clothing Company, an American lifestyle brand presented by the Regal Brand Incorporated. Discover high-quality handcrafted essentials from their collections for men, women, and children. Podcast subscribers can take 15% off their entire purchase with discount code HEARDTHAT15. That's H-E-A-R-D-T-H-A-T-1-5 when they shop the virtual retail store at HolyGrailClothingCompany.com. That's HolyGrailClothingCO.com. Holy Grail Clothing Company, wear your crown. I absolutely love doing volunteer service. I have met the most amazing people and some extraordinary kids as well. The cool thing that kids will always ask for when I am volunteering is books, if we have books available for them to take home because their passion and love for reading. There's an amazing author out there by the name of Trevor Romain who has such cool books for kids that are fun and awesome with simple stories that kids can relate to and parents as well. The Trevor Romain Company has a diverse collection of social and emotional learning resources to help children and their families become healthier, happier, and more confident. All heard that, listeners. If you go on trevorromain.com today, you get an exclusive 15% off your complete order by using the code HEARDTHAT, H-E-A-R-D-T-H-A-T-1-5, at trevorromain.com. Trevor Romain, no E at the end of Romain, Dot com today. What's up, Heard That Nation listening in the United States and around the world? You are listening now to the Heard That with Marisa Tigney podcast. If you are watching on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button, share with others of all the future episodes and current episodes that are going on right now. Trust and believe you do not want to miss this one that I have going on right now. I am fanning out uh, absolutely. So if I sound giddy and I'm giggling constantly like a schoolgirl, trust and believe those that know this person that I have on my uh, my podcast today as my guest can completely understand. If you have Instagram, you need to follow him. If you don't have Instagram because you hate social media, open up an Instagram account and just follow him just because. Uh, I have on my show today, Christian James Hand. He is what I call a musical genius. 
Uh, he was British-born musician, music producer, radio personality, and voiceover artist. And I want to add my flair to it. He basically, I will put him in the class of those that provided their platforms with music, with DJ sets, and everything else. Christian takes songs that you hear every day, whether it be streaming, whether it be on your radio, and he breaks it down to its beautiful, rawest form and makes you appreciate that song more than ever. His backstory from radio to touring with uh, so many amazing groups, especially one of them as he was a stage manager, uh, PM Dawn, rest in peace to Prince B. That is my one of my favorite groups. Um, he's absolutely amazing. And by the time we're done talking, you're gonna wanna follow him and uh, stay connected with him. Uh, I am honored to have him on the podcast today. Christian, welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you for wanting to talk to me. Oh, no, thank you for saying yes. And again, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just uh, amazed again by what you do. And, you know, hearing about you was through, you call him Desmond, but D Nice yes. <laughs> had uh, said, everybody that follows me, go check out uh, this guy that takes songs and he breaks them down and, and, and all this other stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, cool. I mean, I respect you, D-Nice, and the music and all that. That basically saved my whole mental state and everything. So let me give this guy a listen. And you had heard it through the great bye by Marvin Gaye. And I, I am blown away um, by just what I thought that I heard in the song, the different intricacies, the different instruments, even to Marvin's vocals, God rest his soul, brilliant, brilliant artist. Um, I thought I knew, but you took it to a whole different element. And <laughs> I, I, I left there just, I, I went after you played that song and I went and I listened to it in my, well, everybody said in the chat, eargasm, because <laughs> it's true, uh, and purple bananas all day. Um, that, I listened to it after you played it on your IG session live. And it was just a completely different appreciation that I had for the song uh, because of the way that you did it. So give the backstory of how you had, I mean, everybody falls in love with music and uh, different genres and everything else. When did your love of music start? And then, you know, leading up to what you do now uh, breaking down these these amazing songs as you do. Um, well, thank you for all of that. It's as I said prior, it's like the highest compliment that you can be paid as a music fan is to be able to change or shift people's understanding of this art form that means you know so much to me. I think that you know without wanting to sound self-grandizing, it's like one of those things where. I feel like music was always really important to me. I just had to hear music to realize that that's what had been really important to me. And my dad is really responsible for, he was a huge music, is a, a huge music fan. And when I was a kid, I'm fairly sure that he worked out pretty early that a, a great way to get me to shut the fuck up was to just put a pair of headphones on me and sit me in the living room. <laughs> and he could get, get at least, you know, with, a, with an album, you could probably get a good 45 minutes of silence out of the kid if you put him on the floor and just put some headphones on. So he would introduce me to everything from, you know, Tubular Bells through Bowie. Um, you know, my first record that I bought with my own money was a record by a guy named Ian Jury uh, and the Blockheads and uh, their um, new Boots and Panties record. 
And he, I bought that with my own money and I would sit there and listen to that. And it was just, he would just needle drop basically. And, and, and that was the first start. And then, or the start. And then when I got a little tape deck, when I was a kid, I would have him run me recordings of the albums. And then I would just sit and I would say, can I have this? And the first one that he made me was actually, which I wish I still had, was face value from Phil Collins on one side and tubular bells from Mike Oldfield on the other. And I just listened to that relentlessly. And that was the start. And then, you know, I, I, I played instruments. I was in bands, both, you know, like orchestra bands and, and guitar rock bands. And it never, it never stopped. Uh, and it just escalated and escalated. And then what I, I basically knew that I wanted to work with music as a career and then I tried every single aspect of the music industry. And ultimately, at the end of the day, was very sad to find that the music was secondary in all of those industries and money was the most important thing. So I basically had to, through, you know, uh, divine intervention, um, I was given a way of making a, a life out of music that was all about the music. And I consider myself really, really lucky in that way that Touchwood. So far, the monetary, um, the monetary fulfillment has not been the priority and has therefore, you know, allowed me to make a living because when you don't have music, when you don't have money be the priority, I think it's easier to make a living. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, absolutely. And I think that, I, I mean, I think you're the only one that I, I'm aware of that takes the music and truly showcases not just the artist, but everybody from the writers to the producers to those that play the instruments in that particular song. You showcase every single uh, person and their element and their gift to make the song relevant, whether it be that they recorded it two years ago or they recorded it 20 years ago. Uh, I, I just, I enjoyed these sessions because it was so cool what you do. And it just, it, it's, it's amazing. You'll, you'll take whatever song that you're featuring, like for example, on Michael Jackson, you have Michael Jackson Wednesdays, which I absolutely love. And I love how many people interact in the chat. You have you know, the great football uh, legend, Desmond Howard. You'll have uh, Jimmy Jam jump in at times and, and whatever song that you're doing. And you'll play the song, and, you know, you'll start off from like, you know, a bass or a drum or whatever. And you have just an amazing gift of how you can pick up instruments. Like I learned from the, watching your sessions. I didn't know some of these in instruments exist. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I had a, what is it? After one of the sessions that you had, I had the um, Google glockenspiel. Hopefully I said oh, it right. Oh yeah, the old glockenspiel. The yeah. glockenspiel. I didn't know what that was. Yep. I'm like, okay, I thought that was a food <laughs> item. So here I am looking <laughs> And uh, you know, just the, the, that alone, the cool thing about you is that you learn as well. I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, he already knows this. He plays a song over and over. He had, you know, he already, you know, you read some backstory of it and who's playing what instrument and everything else. And you are blown away from the song itself. In, for example, when you did No Doubt uh, a few days ago with their song. No, dude, unbelievable. I, there, Spiderwebs there was, was like a mind blower. Yeah, Tragic Kingdom, I wore that CD out. I mean, I don't know what right. it is. It's probably got like 500,000 scratches on it from <laughs> me putting it in there because the magic of Gwen Stefani and the entire band. And I mean, just 
you you'll you'll teach the session but when you get speechless and you're in awe of the song itself like it, it's just so cool to watch it you're just like I don't, I don't know what to say people like let me just <laughs> take a sip of this water let me just you know smoke this joint up i don't know i don't know what to say <laughs> <laughs> yes those are my favorite moments yeah you know it's like one of the joys of the instagram version is that when i do it live I pre-listen to everything because, you know, it's an hour for each song in the live show, mm -hmm. generally. Mm -hmm. And I have to know each moment so I know what to talk about. And the nice thing about the Instagram version is that I, I allow myself to not have any knowledge prior. So when I sit down, I'm learning it in the real time with the audience because that way, to me, the experience is unifying whereas it and it's not like a guy showing you a bunch of shit it's like a guy discovering a bunch of shit with you at the same time mm -hmm. which is infinitely more rewarding for everybody concerned and makes it really exciting for me like even when i do a song three or four times like it allows me to listen even deeper like i just did i did just like heaven on saturday for the depeche Mode global group and i've done that song probably six or seven times including a couple of times live mm -hmm. and got to realize how fucking dope the keyboard is right before the middle break that mm -hmm. i had never really absorbed before because i was focused on the guitars or the drums or whatever so it really allows me to not become bored with the song like you know one of the the ways that i worked out to do this was i went to see a, a guy do a, a a, uh, I have to stop talking shit about people. So I would just say <laughs> I went to see a guy do a thing on a very well-known band and uh -huh. it really sucked. And the reason that it sucked was that he had basically just turned it into a PowerPoint presentation mm -hmm. and there was no excitement and energy. And I'm like, dude, you're getting to like, your job is to talk about the most influential band in the history of music. Yeah. And you've turned this into like a Kaiser Permanente sales pitch fucking meeting where is how is your audience supposed to be excited if you're not excited so the first thing that i realized was that i can't have my show be scripted so the live show isn't scripted it's mm -hmm. made on the spot so even if i do a song three or four times or five or six times like uh bohemian rhapsody at this point i've done that's the song i've done more than any other and i still have yet to do the perfect version of that show so it makes it really it makes it so much more exciting for me in that I I'm experiencing the show in real time at the same point that the audience is even in the, it's just a different version of it live, but the Instagram version is really a beautiful sense of discovery for everybody. And that's one of my favorite things about it. And to be able to do two and a half hours on one song. I mean, that's fucking ridiculous. Like friends of mine hit me up like, dude, I can't believe I sat for two and a half hours. And you know, one of the greatest comments I saw was some, some persons put in, I think it was a, an MJ and she wrote, how is it or how is it an hour already? I feel like I've been here for 10 minutes. Cause you connect, you have, I tell you what, I mean, time goes by fast when you go so into a, yeah, you go into a song and especially if it's a song that has various different kinds, like you'll start with the drum, but there's like different variations of that drum and then you'll go and move up to the bass and then you're moving up to the guitar and it's just so many variations of it. And you're looking at the time, you're like, Man, I gotta get up in like four or five hours and work the early shift. <laughs> I don't care. This is this 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 is absolutely amazing because you will take us on a musical journey that we have not discovered. And you come along, you know, you're there guiding us, but you're part of guiding yourself as well. And I just I just find that so fascinating. And I just I'm so appreciative of that because 
that is the that's the point of music is that it, it connects all of us. And the person right. and that the person that you're talking about, you know, if they don't have that connectivity to the song and it's basically a PowerPoint presentation, what what the heck is you listen? What are you listening to? What why what does music do for you? So I think that during this crazy time, this COVID, this you know, the year 2020 and almost half of 2021. Christian, you have done that with many people. And I see that in the chat. I know that so many of them go by while you're doing your, your sessions, but I just want to speak on behalf of the fans and those that follow you and say that you have definitely connected all of us through what you do and, and, and your gift. And we, I, I mean, I, I thank you. Thank you. Well, so thank much. you. I mean, that's, I, I get, messages from people saying that and my my rote responses believe me it's done just as much for me as anyone else who's participating you know like mm. when when covid hit and i suddenly realized you know and i'd worked really hard to get to the point where you know right before covid i was doing every weekend i was out and it was either an la show or you know i would do la shows and then the next weekend would be new york and the next weekend would be chicago and the next weekend would be san francisco and i went and, it, you know, like the thing for me is that because, as you've probably experienced, one of my joys in this thing is that it's really hard to reduce it to an elevator pitch. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to give somebody a one sentence and say, this is the thing that you're going to experience. It's even harder, honestly, for people that experience it in the room to try and tell people. So what I have to do is like I have to what I call break open a city, which is where I'll go. And like San Francisco, I literally started in my friend's living room. And I did oh, it wow. there enough, you know, and their living room because it's San Francisco was a warehouse space. So we could get 30 people into their house. Mm -hmm. So I would start with that. And I did that for probably four or five months, like an indie band, which would then allow me to have enough people to get a 200 person venue. Mm -hmm. And I have to do that in each city because I have to educate the audience about what it is that I'm doing. So that the next time they're like, oh, my God, dude, I got to bring like five of my musician friends to the next one. And then I slowly build it. So I had got to the point where. Chicago was the next one where I was at 30 people, 40 people, and I was looking for a venue mm -hmm. and then COVID hit and I didn't know what I was going to do. I had no fucking clue as to how to make this thing function. And, you know, people that were have, with me from like way back in the days of, you know, I think I think it was March or April was when I first went on. And right. I literally just started walking people through my CD collection. Wow. Like I would just pull out a CD and tell people why I owned that one and why they should. And that took two weeks because I have 5,000 right. CDs. And then I started my vinyl collection, which is like 10,000 records. So we went through all that. And then we went through, I didn't go through everyone, but I highlighted ones. And then we went through all my DVDs. And then we went through all my fucking books, all my music right. books. Right. And eventually it got to the point where I was like, what am I going to do next? So I just started doing some research and through, you know, bumbling and fumbling, I discovered this white cable, this mm -hmm. little white cable right here that allows me to plug my phone into my mixer. Right. And then from there I could start doing sessions. And that was a lightning bolt of a, of, of a moment for me. Um, and when I first started, I mean, we've done, I started, I think somebody said June was my first song mm -hmm. and I've done now over 500 songs in COVID. Oh gosh. I'm in awe of your collection. Those that are going to, you know, they're watching on YouTube and saw your absolute phenomenal collection of CDs. Um, 
And I applaud you, number one, for hanging on the CDs. You know, I'm a child of the 70s. So, you know, the eight track cassette, the cassette tape, the CD players. I mean, anything that I bought growing up and everything else, except I regret giving away my eight track cassettes because those to me are just things that these kids these days, they don't understand about eight track cassette tapes. <laughs> Those, those are those are absolute gold. But anyway, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, horrible sounding, you know, the terrible, the, the terrible sounding. Ever. Oh, yeah. And the, the vocals after a while, after you get so many, you, you know, you play that for so often. But the, the voices just sound uh, muddled and muffled. Yep. And then they start to sound like a remix in itself. But, uh, <laughs> you know, those were the days. Uh well, I was going to get rid of my CD collection because I was like, this is a nightmare. Like, and I actually don't listen to them that many because of Spotify and all that. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, you know, I'll sell them, whatever. And then I looked at it and I was like, the thing is that it's actually a photo album. It because is. I know why I have each of them. I know why. That's why I walked people through the collection was because this has already been thinned. Yeah. Like this is this is oh, me having that's... gone through it and gone through it and been like, OK, never listen to this one. Don't need this one. Have two copies of this one. Yeah. Every, before I moved, I thinned the herd. You thin that out and still have all. Wow. Yeah. I probably got rid of a thousand CDs when I moved because I and I traded them in and whatever. But there was stuff that I was like, why am I holding on to this for? You know, there's nothing. I'm just holding this to basically make it look like I have more CDs. And if I got to move these things, right. and the way I moved them was we stole four shopping carts, and I had to use shopping carts to move. Borrowed, borrowed, borrowed. No, we literally stole. <laughs> I will confess to that crime, Your Honor. The, uh, I think the statute of limitations on uh, shopping cart theft has expired at this point. But yeah, I, I was like, "Fuck it, we're stealing four shopping carts." Right now, out of all that entire collection. What is the CD that you, I know you probably got more than just one, but what is the CDs or the records that you cherish the most? You're like, I'm never, ever, ever parting away with it. Uh, all of them. But if there was, I mean, uh, the, the most uh, powerful record in, in my life is a record by a band called the Blue Nile from Scotland. Um, and it's a record called A Walk Across the Rooftops. And that record is foundationally the most important record that uh i've experienced which is kind of it's really nice to, to i thought about it before my my last birthday mm -hmm. on my 51st birthday and i was like what's the record and then through a friend of mine i actually have become friends with the lead singer of that band and he sent me like my i sent him to i sent to scotland i sent him my original pressing and he wrote me a happy birthday message and an autograph on it and then i got back i put it on the wall as i do and it's actually a really uh it's a really unique position to find yourself into not only have a record that's the most important record that you know mm -hmm. and have experienced but then be directly linked to the person one of the people that made that record is pretty it's pretty special so that would be the one blue nile a walk across the rooftops i reckon i i recommend it to everybody especially a headphone listener yes which we Magic. will talk about in a moment <laughs> about the headphones well, that's so cool. Uh, and asking you what your favorite artist was, uh, you said Phil Collins, which I know you probably yeah. pretty much has Phil Collins everything, but why Phil Collins? Um, the one of the one one of the pivotal moments with the yellow headphones was when my dad sat me down and put face value on, and I got to hear in the air tonight for the first time on a pair of amazing headphones on vinyl, and that drum fill. You know, my ex, uh, an ex-girlfriend of mine used to say that 
there are certain songs that rearrange your DNA and that drum fill completely rearranged my musical DNA. And from that point on, I was a huge fan of his. And then every time he put out a record, it spoke to a very specific chapter of my life. And there's something about Phil's a very sad person. He shares the set. Like, it's interesting, like, not that I want to, you know, spend time talking about horoscopes and bullshit, but Phil's an Aquarius. I'm an Aquarius and Peter Gabriel is an Aquarius and all both of those men. It's interesting that they came out of a band together and then couldn't work in that band together anymore, but then went on to make such beautiful music separately. Mm -hmm. They both have a, a sort of melancholy and a depression, but also a hope and an understanding that things could get better. That's built into their music. I identified with immediately and for every chapter of my life, for a while there, there was a Phil Collins record that summed it all up. And he's written a couple of songs that feel like what my life feels like. One is Take, Take Me Home, which is just, you know, having- Oh my gosh, the build in that song. And I saw it's the amazing. video. I never saw the video before until ah, recently. Yeah, all of him in the different locations around yes. the world. Yes, <laughs> and know, I'm adorable. just like, oh my gosh, this is yeah. incredible, that song, yes. Well, what's really cool about that song is now when you go back and listen to it, listen very carefully because what happens at like, I think it's like the three minute mark. Mm -hmm. It starts with drum, drum machine and then mm -hmm. it ends with him playing real drums. And it actually transitions where you hear really? him start to play. Oh yeah, yeah. So if you listen to it at about the three minute mark, he's playing drums over the top of the drum machine. And then by the end of the song, it's completely just him fucking playing the zoom, do, do, dum, do, dum, dum, do, do, dum, dum, And then if you want to get really nerdy on it, there's a 12 inch remix of that song that is actually better than the original. It's better than the original. It's unfucking believable, dude. The, the guy that did the 12, it's on the CD single, which I have. I'm sure you could find it on Spotify or somewhere. Yeah, yeah. But it is better than the original version. But that's song you know i'm a person who i've moved a meal i've lived in africa i've lived in three different locations in the uk i've lived in you know five different locations in america and mm -hmm. you know as somebody who doesn't really have a home that song really when it first came out was like instantly just sounded like what i felt like internally and he written he's written more songs that sound like what i feel like internally than any other artist right so he's home for me oh my gosh that song is absolutely incredible and then uh it's been sampled um i don't know why the rap group just like slipped my mind oh bone thugs and harmony and they had phil in that one yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that song alone tells a story and that's why i just have such respect for phil collins and when he was with genesis and then when he took on a solo career uh because you're right his his songs just it, it, they tell you a story. That one and um, the video that I saw where he's auditioning um, for a show and he, uh, just let it rain. If oh, I'm yeah. Right. Yeah. With Eric Clapton. It's amazing. I mean, like his his stuff. I mean, I get goosebumps just thinking about it. That's because I'm a film nerd. But yeah, yeah, I mean, what's really what's you know, what I didn't realize until I started actually hanging out with was it was B when I started hanging out with B was like, how much more respect Phil got from the black music community than he mm -hmm. did from the white music community. Because the black yeah. music community was like, this motherfucker's got soul. 
Yeah. And the white fucking music community was like, this guy's just a fucking dorky cliche. And they were like, right. Nah. He's got it, the Tower of Power fucking horns playing on this shit, man. Right, like, like he's got it, Chester Thompson playing fucking drums for him, dude. Like, come on, this right? Like crazy. him, and I'm like, okay, this 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 Vanilla Brother got soul, and then you know, hearing Rick Astley, so much soul, so much soul, and then oh, hearing yeah. Rick Astley back in the day, and I'm going, there's no way this voice is coming out Ginger. of this white man, like he's, with red hair, with red hair, and he's doing you with know his little moves and the oversized overcoat, never gonna give yep. you. Up. I'm going, <laughs> where do you inherit that kind of soul? And <laughs> I mean, just, just the uh, amount of talent in the music. And I, I, did, I, I realized that too, that Phil's music and I mean, he partnered up with another Phil, Philip Bailey for Easy Lover. Of course, uh, yep. Brilliant song. Yeah. Corny video. I mean, like all song. of the musicians, his, his band was made up of like a bunch of black guys and a bunch yes. of white guys and black women and white women. It was like more multicultural than any other band, except for Peter Gabriel's probably, mm-hmm. you, uh, ironically enough. But it was, I mean, you know, like if you think about it, the only, the only like Phil Collins tribute record that's ever been made was made by a bunch of rappers. Really? Yeah, dude, no, no fucking white rock organization has ever put out a Phil Collins tribute record. Right, right. The only one that's been put out was a bunch of rappers who were like, no, this motherfucker's beats are fire. Let's do some shit. That's so crazy, Dad. Right? Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. Well, do you think now, 2021, I know Phil has went through, and I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, Christian, did he have like a stroke a few years ago or heart attack stroke or something No, like what that? happened was it's, it's really awful. So the way that he sat on the drums, if you go back and look at video, you can tell it was a fucking, he sort of like played sort of hunched over a little bit and it ended up um, contracting discs in the back of his spine that hit a oh, nerve wow. that ended up shutting down basically the left-hand side of his body. Mm-hmm. So he has a thing called drop foot where he has no control over his left foot. It just falls. So he has to have a special shoe made and he could no longer hold drumsticks in his left hand because his hand wouldn't close. Uh, so it's been really very sad to watch, you know, uh, him have that, you know, it's that denouement to his career. I saw him live on the last tour and he basically has to sit down for the whole thing like he can. And his son plays drums, which is just awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then his, his son does a drum solo and Phil brings his chair and sits down right in front of the drum set and watches his kid play a drum oh, solo, cool. which is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the thing is, like with Phil, I have a, I have a horrible feeling that he's going to end up being, you know, the the uh, the 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 uh, what's his name? The, the fucking. Um, Citizen Kane. He's going to end up being that guy of music mm. where after he passes, everyone's going to be like, oh, he was a fucking genius. And look at all the amazing things he did and blah, 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 blah. And all the, the color lines that he blurred and the amount yeah. of, you know, like the 808 drums machine becomes important in both rock and R&B because mm-hmm. of Phil Collins. Yeah. And I was going to ask you that. I was going to I was going to ask you that talking about him. Why is he, and I know he's not the other one, because I'm sure you can think of other artists too, uh, that are white, that are, you know, put out great music, great volumes. Why do you feel that Phil Collins, you know, was not appreciated in, in music-wise by music, other art, art, white artists, those that, you know, heard him, you know, there in the UK and everything else? Why do you feel that 
as popular as he is and still is to me, to you, uh, to many fans, why do you feel that he's, why do you think that he's undervalued? I mean, he even talks about it himself. I have his, uh, I, I have his audio, his own audio book of his biography, which was great because if you put it on, it was like, if you close your eyes, it was like having Phil in the corner reading his book to you. So it was very lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, and he talks about it. He was like, I was just fucking everywhere. He's like, I didn't say no to anything. And people just got fucking tired of seeing me. And it's right. totally true. I mean, if you think about it, like, I love the fact that we're doing a Phil Collins discussion. Um, that period where he's putting out those three huge records, which is face value, uh, hello, I must be going and uh, um, no jacket required. He's also at that point writing in Genesis who are putting out Duke, Genesis, Abacab, Genesis, Genesis and Genesis Invisible Touch. That is seven records in like a four year period wow. where every single one of those records is putting out fucking. I mean, think about it. there was a point where you couldn't put on the radio mm-hmm. without hearing Susudio and Invisible Touch at the same time. He's the only motherfucker that played both stages at Live Aid. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like he concorded from England to Philadelphia to play both stages and nobody else did it. And he was just he was on Miami Vice. He was in movies and he was like, I didn't want to say no to things because when you start saying no to things, people stop offering you things. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, I was being offered amazingly cool shit like want to play a game show host. I'm a Miami Vice. He's like, fuck, yeah, I want to play that. You want to do. You know, I mean, like people, right? Like Mm -hmm. he said yes to everything because he was like, if I wanted to do all of that, I couldn't believe I got to the point in my career where people were like, hey, do you want to star in a movie? And he was like, I was just a drummer in a fucking prog band. Yeah. And suddenly I was getting offered these unbelievable things. Like people don't realize when he did fucking Tarzan, that dude went in and sang the soundtrack to Tarzan in five languages. Yo, I did that part. I didn't know. In five languages. languages, English, French, German, Spanish, and Italian, I believe. Went in and sang all those fucking songs himself. Was like, no, nah, I'm not going to let other people sing my fucking songs in those right. foreign languages. I'm going to get the lyrics and phonetically learn how to sing these things so that it's my voice on my exactly in the, in the Italian. Who else has done that? Nobody. So I really do think that it's going to be one of those things where where he's going to be Orson Welles. He's going to be the person who everyone, after mm-hmm. he passes, everyone's going to be like, oh, I guess we f- didn't realize how fucking amazing this dude right. was at the time. And that's really a bummer. It's really yeah. a bummer. I, I You know, like, that's because to, it's to me, you know, that's part of why I'm doing what I'm doing, right? Mm-hmm. Is to get people to recognize that these you know these artists and you know that's and thank you for commenting on it like one of the reasons that i credit the producers and the engineers and the arrangers and all of those people is so that you understand that there was a point in music's genesis and uh, you know the 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 life of music in our lives where all of these people were interrelated Everybody was working on everybody's shit. It didn't matter who you were, what color you were. I mean, the fact that like, you know, the drummer on ABC's fucking, I mean, on on the Jackson 5's ABC is a white Italian dude named Mm -hmm. Gene Pello who has a fucking groove like nobody's fucking business. And you're like, this is the whole purpose of the thing. Right. The whole purpose of the thing is to understand that it doesn't matter who the fuck you are. It doesn't like the, the bass lines to some of the greatest songs that ever written were played by a chick. And everyone doesn't fucking mm-hmm. know that. Like, you should know that Carol King was fucking an unbelievable bass player. Period. So that, 
so that everybody can yes. know that music is music is this open playing field where if you can do it and you're and you can and you can wish it into existence it doesn't matter who you are what color you are how tall you are how small i mean look at phil collins like that dude is not built to be a sex symbol he's not built mm-hmm. to be a fucking rock star and then you see him and you're like oh yeah it's phil collins right you know and then he, like, opens, could, and then he opens his mouth and all the ladies are like well hello like, oh, well, I'll, I'll give you one more night i'll give you two or three more right nights, right Phil. like just fucking <laughs> Just ask again, champ. And you can take, fucking, you know, take me home. I'll go home with you. You know, it's like it's one thing to see Mick Jagger. It's a whole other thing. To, you know, it's one thing to see Teddy right. Pendergrass. It's a whole other thing to see Phil Collins. You're like, mm-hmm. wait, what? So I, you know, like that was the thing for me is that it was really important for people to understand that all of these people played on each other's records. All these producers, like you hear Norman Whitfield, and then you start to hear that name more and more. You hear Jerry Hay, and you start to hear that name more and more. And you hear, you know, these guys playing in Chicago records, and then you get to hear them play in a fucking Michael Jackson record. You get to hear Greg Fillingaines show up on a Jackson record, and then Greg Fillingaines will show up on a Toto record or whatever else he would have played on. Mm -hmm. So to me, it was like really important for me to get people to understand that you know there there's an entire world where all of these things are interrelated in a way that most people don't understand and that the the to try to get an just a just the even if we get 10 percent of an understanding of how magical that was mm-hmm. that's still better than zero percent understanding yeah, you know? ex- exactly i love your ig sessions live when you do when this pandemic goes and kicks rocks hopefully soon, if people would behave themselves. Uh, you're doing live shows again, which that's on my list to come and see one of your live shows. But during your IG sessions, please explain to the people <laughs> in the best Christian James hand <laughs> version possible. To me, these sessions are like a music class. It's a, it's a master class. You are showcasing a song. You are giving the backstory of when it was uh, produce who produced it, you know, when it came out, what, you know, the, the whole story of it. And then you'll start, you know, building the song all the way up to the brilliancy of the, fo- of the vocals. Please educate these folks when they come and hear you on IG sessions. It is very imperative and it is very important. And that's why you and I teamed up and we're giving away three sets of headphones. Yep. That uh, rechargeable headphones won't work, earbuds nope. won't work. No. Um, you know, just listening to it on your computer, if you don't have it in stereo, it does not work. Educate these folks why it's important and why it's imperative to have a great set of headphones when they are listening to a song. Because to me, if you're going to listen to a song, that's great. Listen to it through your little, you know, your phone, your computer, everything else. But for you to learn in the way that you take us there with the song, <coughs> with the artist, with the band, you have to have, you have to have a great pair of headphones. Well, because the, especially for the sessions, it's, you know, what's interesting about the Instagram pivot was that I went from a group of like, you know, doing it in a room with two to 300 people Mm -hmm. to me sitting on my floor and then not really having any way to control the listener's experience of the thing. Like when I do it in a room, generally... I've picked a room that has an amazing PA that has a really good sound system. Mm-hmm. You know, I have great gear that allows it to translate. But when you do it this way, there are fucking people listening on, yes, earbuds, or they're listening on the even worse, like laptop speakers. And you're, you know, my, I will say that my, 
Instagram feed, unfortunately, other than it not being in stereo, the quality of the audio is really, really good for a reason. And if you have headphones, especially like a pair of Sony's, like we're going to give away or the Odyssey's or, you know, any headphones, these just happen to be two that are my favorites. Mm -hmm. You get to have this really unique experience of hearing these things in pretty high quality audio in a way that you've never heard them before if you've never listened on high definition headphones but even more so like you've never heard the drums from sweet emotion just fucking played on their own you've never heard the bass line and if you could hear it on its own with the detail and you can hear the fret rattle and you can hear the plectrum hit the strings yeah um or you know like the string section on heard it through the grapevine when that's soloed and you can actually hear the room in the phones it's such a unique way and then as i start to add the layers in if you have good, if you if you're receiving it in a good quality way, especially if it's solitary with you with headphones on, you can really hear those layers start to come together. And mm-hmm. you know that's the bummer about it not being in stereo is that when you hear the layers come together and then you hear how the things have been placed, like especially like a Bruce Swedean fucking Michael Jackson session, mm-hmm. you get to hear where these things are placed, and it teaches you such a le- such greater understanding of the level of artistry you know like the reason that i understand it is that i was in the studio like i've made records mm-hmm. you know and both in my apartment and in big recording studios so i know what both of those experiences are like i mean one of the highest compliments that i've that i was paid was a fan came up to me after a, a show and said uh, uh you know, or, or I, I hate using the word fan uh, an audience member came up to me after the show and said you know one of the things that that you should know is that the reason that we come here and, and are invested in this is because we know that you've actually been in the room for the moments that you talk about. Mm-hmm. And it's true. Like I wasn't in the room for sweet emotion by Aerosmith, but I've been in the room when bands that I've been working with or bands that I've know or songs that I've done myself have worked because I knew that the spirit was in the room. I knew that I was channeling or I knew the person I was working with was channeling. Like I watched them walk in and do a vocal start to finish that was flawless and know that they also knew that they had no control over that experience whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So being able to talk in those terms in, in ways that aren't like, I've heard that people have this kind of experience in the studio. It's like, no, no, no. I've been there for that. Mm -hmm. I've been, you know, like being on the road with Peter Gabriel, and getting to watch him do Biko like 30 times in a row and have every single time be 20,000 people caught in a religious moment over this fucking song. It's like, you cannot deny the magic of the thing, you know? And part of the the medicine that the sessions have brought is that I also, I sit on the board of a music therapy app um, for people with uh, dementia and Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and um, it's used in assisted living facilities around the country. Mm-hmm. And so I actually, by from being on the board, have learned, done a lot of research and been given a lot of research about what they are now finding music actually does therapeutically in your head mm-hmm. and to your brain. And it's not a joke and it's not subtle and it's not fucking voodoo. It's legit science. So when people... You know, like I'll do it. There'll be moments, there'll be days when I was doing a song, you know, two songs a fucking day, which was a huge amount of work. Yeah. Um, where I would get up and make my fucking cup of tea and be like, I do not want to sit down and do the fucking show today. Mm-hmm. But I did it 
And at the end of it, I would be completely different because the chemicals had done the magic to me. The music had done the thing to me that it was doing to everyone who was receiving it. And it's legit fucking science. And that's Mm -hmm. one of the things about my show is like, I'm not playing songs that are new to people unless there are sometimes people like, I've never heard this and it's amazing. But most of the time it's fucking, it's hits that you've heard a bajillion times. Yeah. So they already had magic in them. They were already Mm -hmm. doing medicine, but then to hear them in a new way. And then ultimately, of course, to get to hear the vocal Mm -hmm. presented to you, the chemical soup of your brain is going batshit. So I do know that it's medicine the same way that I know that D nice's stream is, is medicine, you know, Mm -hmm. like the, the, the people responding to it are responding to an actual chemical event in their head. You know, like their brain has actually changed. Like they did because MRIs are now so, you know, you can you can basically see, not even basically, you can actually see thoughts occurring in the brain in yeah. MRIs now. That's yeah. like how fucking crazy our detailed work of. So what they did is they took a bunch of people and they put them in MRI machines and then they gave them different um, modalities of therapy. Mm-hmm. And music therapy was the only one that lit up the entire brain it lit up the entire brain down to the um, down to the limbic system, which is your pleasure, memory, uh, you know, like your sense feel sort of. That's why when you hear a song, you can sometimes smell the room that you were in the first time you heard that song. Yeah. yeah. Because your brain is actually remembering that smell. That's not fucking voodoo. That's right. literally your brain being like, oh, yeah, no, I think it's this song smelled like croissants mm-hmm. the first time I it heard it. It takes you right back to where you were at when you heard that song. Yeah. Or you can feel the air in the room or you can see the person who you listen. You can feel the per- that's because your brain is actually pulling. So they're finding that people with Alzheimer's and dementia and Parkinson's, this is actually starting to undo the damage of that thing because it's causing their brains to fire up mm-hmm. with this really, really powerful, powerful tool. It's called SingFit mm-hmm. and you can, you can find it on iTunes and you can download the software. So if you have a, a parent who is from dementia or Alzheimer's or Parkinson's they have you know a raft of, of songs it's just worth a try because we've watched it do like the feedback that we get from these assisted living facilities is that it's game changer shit and it's oh, game changer wow. shit because it's science yeah so listening to songs the way that I do them is actually scientifically doing things to people's brains and mine yeah and, and it's such a it's it's amazing again because we are all, all of us are learning the beauty of that song that you know and it is completely different from streaming it on your phone or listening to it on your radio station or you know these music stations that you have on your tv and just hearing it through an amazing set of headphones the quality the detail of and i said to you the instruments that i never heard of that i have to google after (laughs) your session's done with uh I, i i'm just in awe and, and the way that you built it up, you build it all the way up to the vocals. So once again, please educate these folks, <laughs> the ones that have been in your sessions. And, and this is the one thing that you tre- tremendously annoys me, why it is imperative and why it's important to when you showcase and, and show the, and, and have us listen to the vocals, that people really need to listen to the vocals. People are in all like, oh my God, I didn't realize they hit this note and this and then everything else. Like, can you take three, Zip four it. minutes of your time? <laughs> and see, and people are like, Christian, why don't you shut down the chat and everything else? Well, one, it's his show. And two, he trusts everybody that's not going to talk. So, but obviously you got people in there that right. don't know how to follow directions. <laughs> 
they were probably the obnoxious kid in the back of the classroom growing up Always. back in the day. But why is it important for people to listen truly to the vocals when you are uh, uh, featuring a song on your session live? It's it's a number of things. A the most the most the 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 one that means the most to me is that it's really it is a very intimate experience that we're sharing that the person has not given us permission to participate in and as somebody who is a, who was a singer i've sung on projects for a few years and and took it very seriously and um have also recorded singers and also know established musicians and people who you know like prince b and guys like that who hated their vocals being heard that way because it's especially when it doesn't have any reverbs and delays and it's not protected as we call it in the in the the parlance it's a really invasive thing to assume that the person is okay with <laughs> like yeah. if, especially if it's somebody who's passed you know like i did uh when i did one of the michael jackson sessions i actually had Ron Temperton, who is the, the man who wrote a majority of the lyrics for, for MJ on a lot of those records and came up with melody ideas as well. Um, I had a scratch track of his and I said, hey, we're going to get to actually hear this. And I, and I played it and almost immediately Greg Fillingaines, who knew Rod, came into mm -hmm. the chat and was like, Rod would have really hated that this was being heard. And I was like, oop, mute. You know, like there's no reason for us to be if somebody tells me that something is would have upset someone who they knew personally, mm -hmm. then this is not a car accident that we get to look at. Right. You know, like right. you right. don't get to just do that because it's available to you. So it's really important to me to to be as respectful of the person, of their art and of the fact that they don't have a say in what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately it's that that is the song <laughs> like yeah. the fucking dude smacking the drums and the guy playing the bass and the dudes adding the guitars and all that and the, even the strings and all that shit fuck yeah absolutely that's all beautiful music but the song the thing that impacts us the message that we're being delivered is being delivered to us mm -hmm. in these examples because it's not instrumental by a mm -hmm. voice with lyric mm -hmm. and we're being allowed to listen to it in such a special way that if you don't take the time to not to shut the fuck up, mm -hmm. you're actually going to miss out on a really magical opportunity that may never be, it may never be repeated for you, you know, because these things aren't archived and because there's no way to hear them a second time. Like this yeah. might be the only time I do this song. Mm -hmm. There are songs I've only done once, you know, mm -hmm. and when I do it live and you can have this PA, I mean, the effect, it is not subtle, man. The effect of having a vocal played through a beautiful PA to 200 people who have been 200, you know, 300 people who've been led on a journey and then have this person, like when I do Chris Cornell, there are people weeping in the crowd. When mm -hmm. I do MJ, there are people weeping in the crowd. When I do David, there are people weeping in the crowd. There are people weeping in the crowd when it's people who haven't passed away. Yeah. And it's because the vocal carries the message. The vocal is the thing that has provided the comfort to us because you've been brought to that song in a time of need. And that song is providing a response, whether it's a time of need to be happy, a time of need to be allowed to be sad, mm -hmm. a time to be brought from sadness, the happiness and, you know, the, the, the way of the, um, of the alchemist, you know, in, you know, in, in transforming your energy into something else. Like 
the thing that has done that has, which has been aided by this beautiful song is the person singing it to you. Mm -hmm. And it's a really special experience to be trusted with that. You know, I don't take any of it lightly. And I, I, I would hope that that's one of the things that everybody walks away with is that I don't, I don't take this lightly. I don't take the immense responsibility, which I do feel. And, you know, like when I go on the radio and I do somebody who's passed away, like when mm -hmm. I did, you know, Tom Petty on the, the, like the day that Tom Petty died. And I sat in the car afterwards and cried for an hour because it was such a weighty responsibility to take that person and their entire career and their entire thing and reduce it to a 20 minute segment that would allow all of the people listening to mourn in the same way. Right. Hey, his death was heavy. He was heavy. Very. Out of nowhere. You're like, yeah. wait a minute, Tom Petty just fucking, I thought that dude was going to be around for like another came, 20 years. Yeah. When it came out on the news and everything else, I'm like, somebody's starting rumors. I'm going to block them. Yep. I'm pissed. You know, same thing with Prince when he passed everything else. Yep. I was like, it's gotta be a joke. One of the heaviest deaths, I would say, uh, for a music lover like myself, that that one hit hard. Uh, Prince? Prince, Prince's death hit hard. Oh yeah, of course, absolutely, hundred percent. And beautiful um, IG session live that you did with him a few weeks ago um, on D Nice's platform. That was that was by far by all the ones you did. That was by by far my favorite. Thank you. I, I was, cried after that one. Yeah, that one was, you know, like the 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 first time that I did it on on my page is like one of the one of the ones that sits in like the pantheon of oh my god, you didn't you weren't there for that because mm -hmm. that one, you know, started with like 150 people and then ended with a thousand. And over the course of it, like more and more people involved in his story showed up. And there was Wendy came in at the beginning with Lisa. That and was, was telling us stories and all that. And it was beautiful. And then, you know, that took two and a half hours the first time I did it. And then we came to the vocal and, you know, maybe 10 seconds into the vocal, Wendy actually commented that Prince would have hated this. Mm -hmm. And I stopped and I, you know, was talking to her through the chat. And I, you know, and I said, like, this has always been one of my fears with this. So as the person who was closest to Prince, in this group of people, this thousand plus group of people, I would like you to make the decision as to whether we continue or not. Mm -hmm. And if you think that he would have found this invasive and not wanted to have it heard, then we'll stop now. But if you think that it's something that he would have got around and found a way to, to find joy in, then we'll keep going. But you make that decision. And she ultimately decided to keep it going. And when I did it on D's, I mean, I made an assurance to her that night. I messaged back and forth with her afterwards. And I told her that I would never do it again without her blessing. Mm -hmm. And the morning when I realized that he had died, that that was the anniversary of his death. I texted her immediately and was like, yo, man, I could do this on D's, uh, you know, page. And it's mm -hmm. going to be to, you know, significantly more people. And she was like, absolutely, you should. Um, and it's been a really interesting experience, you know. And, you know, this is. I, you know, I, it's a it's a difficult discussion to have, but it's one that I would like to have your feelings on is that mm -hmm. one of the things that's been interesting for me, especially, you know, solely from the Dean Ice experience. One of the beautiful things is having so many people of color coming to my page. 
You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. it was, it, it looks more like a Benetton ad now. And I fucking love that because yeah. and it's like all the music. Like, it's not even like yeah. we only want to fucking hear R&B and mm-hmm. the white people listen to rock. It's like, fuck this. This is amazing. Fuck. I never even knew that they like metric last night. People were like, what the fuck? Like this band is sick. I'm like, yeah, great. And one of the things that happens because of the, the fact that I'm on D's page is that I do see that there's a heavy amount of blowback about a white man breaking down black people's music and it's sad it's really sad and it's really it 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 makes it i mean and i believe me i completely understand and it's of course in these times that we're in now that are so Mm -hmm. charged but it makes me sad because i'm like you can't overlook that to realize how much reverence i have for all music Mm -hmm. and that this you know like I have just as much reverence for Soundgarden as I do for, you know, the Isley brothers. I have yeah. just as much Pantera as for Michael Jackson. Like to me, it's, it's the thing we're talking about with Phil Collins, mm-hmm. where there are no color lines. No. And if I thought that there was any place that was going to be safe from that, mm-hmm. it was like one of my favorite comments when I first did, uh, I think it was, it was the first MJ that I did on these page. And uh, a, a, a lady put in, I don't need to hear about this song from this man. <laughs> I was like, That's, I want that on a fucking T-shirt because that might be. Wow, like, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, was, I just saw that go up and I was like, man, that is fucking. All right. No, I, that's a hell of a stance. I get it. I understand what you're saying. And, I, you know, like the point for me is that it, it's. You know, like I thought that if there was anywhere that was going to be safe for everybody, Mm -hmm. it would be that. And like when D's like, let's go go over to Christian's page. It's so fucking awesome to have that happen, because to me, it it does feel like a place of of like all of that shit goes away. Yeah. You know, for like for two hours, we get to not give a fuck about that thing. Mm And I was wondering if if there had been, you know, like obviously you're a, a, a music fan and mm-hmm. so it doesn't. But if there if you had seen that and how that made you feel if you had. That's so crazy that and a comment like that or comments would come across your page. Here's the beauty of it, because you covered metric, which I never heard of. And that's why I like jumping into your sessions, because you'll cover music that we are either familiar with or we're not familiar with. I love the unfamiliar because I like to learn. Uh, I went to a Christian school and wrote an essay about um, uh, rock bands and the power of influence that they had. And they weren't Christian rock. They were, they were hardcore rock uh, music. And uh, I thought my English teacher was going to drop kick me out of the classroom because <laughs> <laughs> I mean- Yeah, man. I mean, if you're talking about Aerosmith at a Christian school, you are- I mean, we that, you know, Pantera, we had uh, people wear ACDC shirts. I thought you right. know, the, the, the directors were going to like, you know, throw <laughs> oil on us and, you know, cast us in the fire or something. But the way that I saw it uh, at that time is that I saw that, you know, I may not hang out with this kid or I may not, you know, have anything in common because I was in the sports there into, you know, the grunge look and the feel and everything else. But music somehow made it be that we were connected. And that's how I see through your sessions. And so I don't see anything of that. And it's amazing. You covered metric last night. I didn't know who they were. I didn't know if they were white, black, who cares? (laughs) I saw all different kinds of people with their faces popped up on your chat. Black folk, 
white folk, uh, Latino folk, people from different yep. countries, back, you know, different backgrounds, everything else, all appreciating what you do and what you did. And uh, it was a masterclass. We all learn. Every single time you get on IG session live, Christian, we all learn together and we connect together during that two, two and a half hours. We could have had the worst day possible. Okay. Somebody Thank could have you. passed away. Somebody could have uh, lost their, their job. Somebody could have, um, uh, you know, been behind on rent. You know, it's so much going on. You, D-Nice, uh, there's another DJ I listen to, DJ MOS. Um, so many other people that had taken their IG, that taken their social media platforms and turned it into an escape for all of us to get away from the crazy and just enjoy what connects all of us, which is music. And you do that brilliantly. And to people that, you know, don't want to listen to it, you know, you have a choice. There's the, the X switch, X off and go about your business. But the people that want to be and that, that, that love what you do, they're there for a reason. Thank you. Yeah, it, it's it. I, I, you know, I wanted to be able to talk, teach, you know, like speak to each of those people personally and, and sort of say, hey, man, like all all I'm trying to do is to just enjoy this music. Like, that's really all that matters. You know, it's like I already have, you know, there's I get it's very interesting to see the amount of blowback that I get from the white audience when I do MJ. Because it's crazy to me. So basically, well, you're, the, you're an IG session of Phil Collins. <laughs> Well, that's the highest compliment I'll ever do. Uh, yeah, I get blowback from white people because the white audience, you know, in general, has written him off as a child molester. Mm -hmm. Right. And mm -hmm. that's why whenever I do that, I have to go through this. I have to navigate this preamble of of, you know, why I continue to explore this person's music mm -hmm. and to try to get people to empathically understand that we actually don't know the truth. Mm -hmm. There are people that we know the truth of. We know the truth, unfortunately, of Bill Cosby. We know the truth of Roman Polanski. Mm -hmm. We know the truth of these people. And to me, then their art becomes, you know, like that somebody was talking about the Egyptian thing of like, they used to take the, the eyes out of statues of people who had been, you know, besmirched. Mm -hmm. And there are people whose eyes should be removed. There are people who should have their place in culture shifted. Mm -hmm. And it's been interesting actually to watch my stand-up comedian friends navigate the Bill Cosby thing. I just did a podcast with a well-known comedian and we actually brought up the Bill Cosby thing. And he was like, dude, I'm going to have to edit that out of the podcast. He's like, I can't even, that's a third rail in wow. comedy to, to try to navigate this thing, which to me is actually the worst response. The best response is to talk about it, is to talk about the complications of Michael. Like when I do it live, mm -hmm. I found this shocking, stunning, painful montage of photographs that is basically him from the early Jackson years all the way up to right before he passed away. And you get to see the changes in this man. Mm -hmm. And I always say to people in the crowd, I'm like, what is the, other than the skull, the color of his skin, what is the thing that has changed more than anything? And it's his nose. And then when you're given the backstory that the thing that his dad berated him about more than anything else mm -hmm. was the shape of his nose. Mm -hmm. And then you look at this and you're like, you're trying to tell me that this isn't a deeply traumatized human being mm -hmm. 
who has seen things and suffered things that we have no fucking clue about. None. None. We have no idea. We don't even know what it was like to be Michael Jackson, let alone to be a six-year-old Michael Jackson being beaten with a leather strap because he didn't dance right, Mm -hmm. because his nose was the wrong fucking shape. Mm -hmm. So where is you can't just simply discard somebody's art when the complications are so complicated. Right. You have to talk about it. You have Mm -hmm. to, like, we're so fucking pathological with this binary response to everything now that the absence of nuance in the discussion. Mm -hmm. So what? If he was a child molester, we discount Greg Fillingain's performance. We don't talk about Quincy being a genius. We don't talk about J.R. Robinson being an unbelievable drummer. Sugarfoot being, like, all of these other creatives their work is thrown out the window. And those are all the ones that enter in the chat when you do those things and talk about so much deep history of the song all and the format, it. all of it, yeah. You know, and I've spoken to those people, you know, like, and that's another thing that annoys me when I see fucking asshole fucking, you know, white fans who the minute I put up an MJ tile are like unfollow a child. I'm like, have a discussion about it. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about what this what what this means. Mm-hmm. And instead of this just binary like fucking nope, not going to talk about it. It's like, well, then how do we talk about your trauma? Right. Do we discount everything that you've done because mm-hmm. you've been a shitty person or you've been traumatized and taken that out? And that's why I always, you know, like my buzz term is traumatized people traumatize people. hmm. It's it, it, it's really that simple and we have to understand it. And then you have to, you know, like that's why when you listen to his vocal, I, I try to always go back to an earlier vocal from when he was a kid where mm-hmm. you can hear a fully formed human being mm-hmm. in the body of an 11 year old. Right. And then and then say this person went on to become the king of pop and to not be able to leave their house without hundreds of thousands of people following them. Every move that they make being on the you know, and I've talked to people who worked with him because I wanted to have a nuanced understanding of it because mm-hmm. I didn't want to discount this music. It's some of the most important music ever made. Oh, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And, you know, there's it's the same thing with with Bill Cosby, like one of the most important, you know, comedic voices, let alone black comedic voices. Mm-hmm. You know, it goes fucking him and then Richard Pryor. Like talk to any black comedian and then they'll be like, yeah, no, those are the, those are the two dudes that we stand on the, on the, the shoulders of. I don't know if you've seen it, but there's this amazing documentary on the, the story of the, uh, the comedy store. Mm-hmm. It's a series. I think it's on Showtime. And Howie Mandel tells this fucking story about being in the belly room. I think it was at like 1.30 in the morning and Richard shows up wow. and he said, Richard Pryor comes on stage completely unannounced. And he walks on stage and he's all he's saying is, have you seen him? Have any of you seen him? Have any of you seen him? And he keeps saying this and everyone's like, what the fuck is this bit? And then gradually he starts to reveal that he is, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. He is God looking for Jesus and Mm -hmm. he's looking for his son. And he's like, has anyone seen my son? And then without, no, nobody's responding. And he basically then proceeds to be like, wait, you did what to him? You did what to, to my, you did that to my son? You, you did that to my son? And then he starts saying, well, what did you do with Malcolm? What did you do with Martin? What did you do with JFK? And then the punchline was you, you killed them all. 
well, then you're on your own now and just walked off stage. Wow. Wow. And the fact that it's Howie Mandel telling this story is like the the greatest yeah, universal yeah. fucking the guy who blew up a fucking rubber glove on his face is the right. dude who's getting to tell you this transcendent bit of not even comedy. Like there's no words for what that was. At 1.30 in the morning at the comedy store, Richard Pryor walks on stage and does that fucking bit. Like... <laughs> you know, the dude was also a freebasing cocaine addict who right. set himself on fucking fire. But we're willing to forgive that because his trauma led him to that. But then trauma that made people even, you know, more damaged, we're not willing to discuss and to over and to not necessarily. I don't think overlook is the right word. Mm -hmm. I think metabolize is the word mm -hmm. where you metabolize it into that person. And you're like, of course, he could do that bit because he was that damaged. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what is what is Michael's relationship to himself inside the music? Like, these are the discussions that I want to have, not disregard the entire thing for uh, ultimately unproven fucking stories. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Right. I don't know what the truth is. I know that the FBI did a 10 year long fucking investigation that brought up nothing. Yeah. So what's and the you truth? say it every single time before the vocals come on for everybody to shut down the chat. And you do say to everybody, you know, basically the, you know, the, the disclaimer, or whatever you want to say it about MJ and everything else. And the times that you have done that, I've not seen one person leave your session. No, I'm not. Well, thank you for that. I, I'm not. I mean, that means people, a lot, need to, you know? people need to stop talking during the vocals <laughs> and chatting and how right? blown I away mean, they are. The, yeah, yeah. That's the thing that they need to stop doing. I mean, if the stove is on, it's hot. Don't put your hand on it. You know, same <laughs> thing. With, you don't don't talk during a session. But when you when you get to that point, when you get to the vocals and everything else, those that have been following you for a while, those are brand new. And you say, you know, pay, you know, let's repay the respect to whether they're living or they're deceased. You know, sit back, shut off your phone, turn your phone over, just listen, just listen to the vocals. And from the vocals, just listening to them, you can hear so much of the storytelling that Michael Jackson does. The uh, pain in Gwen Stefani's voice when she's talking about a breakup. Um, the Black Crows that you featured. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I, I mean... <laughs> When, when at times you had no words and it, for a moment I was counting the seconds in between people commenting <laughs> and I think it lasted, honestly, it lasted 57 seconds because none of us had nothing to say. Got nothing to say. Nothing. You know? I mean, it's And that's it's what really... the vocals should be when people truly listen to it. You should have nothing to say. You should just let the power of someone's voice and their gift, just let it marinate inside of your ears and your heart, your spirit and your mind. Oh, dude, a Freddie vocal, you know, that's the, the, the wonderful thing that that's what, one of the many things that I really enjoy about the live thing is that mm -hmm. you get to sit in the soup of 200 people mm -hmm. all feeling the same thing at the same time, you know, and the vocal will end and it will just hang in the room and there is nothing to say. Mm -hmm. And you just have to let it sit. And, you know, there are a few things in, in the world where people do that. 
It's not the same as a theatrical production. It's not the same as going to see a band live. It's a really unique way to experience music. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not self-grandizing. It's just a fucking fact. But to have basically been blessed with inventing a new way for people to experience music as a music fan is there's no greater gift, you know, to have people message me and say, because the thing that I didn't realize I was doing is that by playing all the separate stems and then putting the song back together, what I'm doing is I'm teaching people a very rudimentary understanding of EQ because everything, when you mix a record and you produce it, you're doing that. You're just manipulating the equalization of all of these different frequencies to get everything to be heard. Right. And that's why, you know, I credit the engineers because it was their job to capture that sound mm -hmm. and be able to make it so that, that you don't have to do a lot of, that's why Bruce Swedean's fucking tracks are so badass is that they're unmixed. But when you put it together, you're like, oh, I can hear everything. Right. And there's been no EQs changes. This is just how he fucking recorded it. Mm -hmm. So I teach people a rudimentary EQ. But then the thing that I didn't realize is that that actually became a transferable skill. So the amount of people that hit me up and are like, dude, I can now listen to a bass line and a song and I can zero in on things what I couldn't do it before. And what's crazy is that my parents, you know, will tell me and have that I was able to do that from the minute that I started listening to music. Like I would, I would sit there and sing a hi-hat line. I would be able to sing a guitar lead. I would be able to pull out a background vocal and sing the background vocal or talk about these things. And, you know, it, to me, it's like, it's not like, uh, to me, it is that the, you know, my, this is how I turned my Asperger's into something that I could use mm -hmm. because that's all that is like, to me, that's, you know, like there are Asperger's kids who are geniuses with fucking chess. They're geniuses with fucking math. There are geniuses who can, you know, paint an entire or draw an entire city after seeing it once and then go to their house and draw like a perfect. I don't know if you've seen mm -hmm. that kid, mm -hmm. the, the black kid from England who's yep. like, like flies over London and then draws a perfect fucking like huge 12 foot long, perfect yeah. drawing of the thing for you. Like, wait, what? So I think that, you know, the, as the Greta Thunberg calls it a superpower, I think that, you know, the, the Asperger's gave me the superpower of being able to hyper listen to things. And then, you know, my parents upbringing and who I am as a as, you know, a, a, a lump of meat with a soul in it, I, I can. I know that one of the things that I'm that I'm capable of is I can tell a story really well mm -hmm. and that's all I'm doing is I've, I'm telling a story you know like the, each of the songs is a story and inside that story are eight stories six stories yeah. four stories every person playing on that song had a story mm -hmm. so to get to tell all of these stories like each book is a novel yeah you know, and as I said to a bunch of, you know, as a, ad nauseum, but it's really the best way to describe it is like, it, this is the only art form where you can unpaint the painting. Mm -hmm. There's no other art form where you can take it to pieces and show everybody how it works. What right. a beautiful fucking thing to be able to do. Mm -hmm. What a beautiful experience of, of friendships that we've had, because that's what they are. You know, our relationship to music is a friendship. And to be able to have that ex that friendship explored in such a 
fucking detailed and gorgeous way. I mean, literally two and a half hours on one song is an absurd amount of time mm-hmm. in this world where we have been, you know, it's like people are like, I don't understand why you don't archive them. I'm like, well, first off, it would make it so much easier for me to a have to have a very difficult conversation with the rights holders when I eventually do get to have these conversations mm-hmm. B it makes it easier for the bot to find me and to fuck my life up and C <laughs> I actually really like the fact that it is appointment radio that if you miss it, you missed mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry that you missed it, but like, this is how life used to be. Yeah. <laughs> like exactly. if you didn't watch that TV show and you didn't know how to set your fucking VCR recorder correctly, right. you didn't get to watch the TV show. You so missed out on in something. layman's terms, people, please stop putting in the chat for him to save the sets because he's not going to save the sets. Never. That's why it's called on his IG page. It's the session live, live. meaning it. it's live. He goes on there live. It's not pre-recorded. Stop asking this nope. man to save the set. I mean, it's like a postcard. Wish you were here. It's on the back. <laughs> right. Sign Christian James hand. You yeah. had to be there. Move on to the next song. Stop asking this man. Thank you. That was another thing that annoyed me too, besides people showing up without headphones and talking during the chat, people asking you to save your set. So, <laughs> I know, it's great, isn't it? <laughs> and the, but the, you know, the thing is, is, is that, you know, the amount of people who are really bummed that they missed out on the previous experience, mm-hmm. but one of the things that that does is it really makes you grateful for the ones that you do get to experience. Yes. And, and that, that to me that- is... Yeah, that's, that's part of it. it too. Yeah, exactly. You know, like I'm so fucking st- like somebody wrote in the chat the other day, like I'm so bummed that I've missed almost 500 songs, but I'm so glad that I've caught it was somebody from D Nice's thing. And they're like, I'm so glad I've caught the last month because mm-hmm. it's been amazing. And I'm like, that's exactly it. The point right. is, is to know that what you're experiencing is really special. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's a we, really it, special experience. We all connect together. And I think you should make a T-shirt that says music is my friend. That's your, that's, your, that's your next t-shirt because it is it, it, it's, it's a friendship healed. it's a friendship it is healed it is it is done amazing things you have been part of the journey so much during this time and you continue to be so um and i'm glad slowly but surely you'll have the opportunity to do your live sessions again how Thank can you. people uh connect with you uh, just go to the session ig live uh and uh follow that and then set the notifications and then if you want to follow my personal page, it's Christian James Hand. And then there's a website. Uh, it's called the Session Website. Um, that was This is old John Mayer's idea. Sometimes he's smart. So I called it. It's the sessionwebsite.com. And that has an EPK that shows you uh, a video. It's like an eight-minute video that shows mm-hmm. you kind of the genesis and, and sort of the sales pitch on the thing. And there's a radio shows tab, which has four years of the 20 minute radio show segment that I've been doing. Uh, there's a little bio and there's an email list to get on because, you know, I, I do plan on going back and doing all of those cities like Atlanta is a plan. Uh, Nashville is a plan. Austin is a plan. Detroit. So I'm going to try to get out and uh, do as many cities as, as I can. So if you get on the email list, that's the easiest way to be notified about the, the shows that I'm doing. Y'all follow this man. Check out his <laughs> website, his bio. His bio is absolutely incredible. I mean, me reading it word for word, bar for bar, because again, I have printed out his whole entire bio. I have notes <laughs> upon notes upon notes. You need to go and read it yourself and then you'll be like, oh, what am I missing out on? Because he's just absolutely brilliant. Uh, thank Christian you. James Hand, no, thank you. Thank you for connecting us all through the beauty of music. 
uh, the sound of music, not the movie y'all with Julie Andrews running up and down the hills, but the actual <laughs> music itself. Uh, I applaud you. I appreciate you. I can't speak on uh, everybody that has followed you and hopefully from this when they listen, they'll you'll get new fans. But thank you so much for everything you've done and continue to do with such amazing songs. And, and basically, like I said, it's a music masterclass to me. Well, thank you very much. It, uh, it's high praise indeed. And, you know, as I said, if, uh, if, I, if I wasn't doing this, I don't know what I'd be doing. So thank, I'd thank the music ultimately at the end of the day. Yes, music has definitely connected us all. And thank you everybody for listening on the podcast and watching on YouTube. And as I always end the show, take care, stay safe. How are we going to do the headphones? Christian just reminded me of something. My fault. <laughs> Sorry that I paused. We'll edit that out. So, um, I know you should leave it in. It's adorable. Okay. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah, yeah, all of those, That's the best we are, Christian and I, um, I'm rocking right now. Those that are watching, uh, Sony five, the seven, five, zero six, uh, studio headphones. Many people have showed up at his sessions and that's why I kind of went off on, why people are showing up and not being prepared uh, with real headphones. As you can see, I don't have to charge these. I get a great quality sound. Nope. They're very comfortable. This is the same headphones that he uh, recommended as well as he wears in his IG sessions live. We are giving away three pairs of headphones. If you go onto my page at Marisa Tigney Podcast, uh, we are drawing three winners, three winners tomorrow. Uh, and uh, we are going to be sending them a pair of these headphones. So you do not have to have an excuse to show up at his IG session live talking about I'm going to wear earbuds or, <laughs> you know, oh, I can't, you know, don't have a headphone, everything else. So there's no excuse for these. He recommended these. They are absolutely amazing. Uh, when I went and purchased these, uh, he did uh, a song. I want to say, I believe it was uh, the Black, the Black Crows. Was it the Black Crows? Uh, that I had these on and completely <laughs> Sony needs to give this man a contract because this, these absolutely Change amazing. Everything. Yeah, absolutely. they really are. They are. The, I mean, they really are like a great, uh, a great gateway drug to listening correctly that they really are. Yes. They're a great little uh, for the, and especially for the price. That's why, I mean, I probably, I think I've given away, like 20 pairs in covid when i did my birthday i gave away like i think 15 pairs on my birthday like i've sold sony way too many headphones at this point they You're owe welcome. you free stock <laughs> they owe you some lifetime stock i love that you gave away a pair during a session i think it was a couple a few days ago to somebody and i think that he fainted because i didn't see any more comments from him <laughs> and i was like dude he's like i gotta get headphones what do you recommend i'm like oh, i'll just get you a pair it's the easiest way to do oh it. my gosh his reaction was absolute <laughs> going so are you serious are you for real so everybody i was congratulating him and everything else and then he had emoji shock faces tears and everything else and then i, I think he passed out because i didn't see any more comment from him um you know so uh we're giving them away get on my page at marisa tigney podcast make sure you follow this man follow me he's got many more sessions that are going to be live going to be happening we're drawing a winner this week uh, you don't want to miss out on it. And if you don't win, cheer for the ones that did win and order yours through amazon.com or mine. I got mine from Guitar Center. Guitarcenter.com is where I got mine from. Uh, if you live far, far away in a galaxy far, far away, I'm sorry, between myself and him, we are not paying for uh, that much It's shipping. just a nightmare. It's got to be U.S. only, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, U.S. only. Uh, U.S. Because only. 
right now, U.S. So, I mean, we could go into a whole different segment about the United <laughs> States right now, but we won't. We're going to end it on a good note. So, Christian, thank you again. Thank you so much. What a great conversation. Absolutely. Take care. Stay it. safe, everybody. Same to you. Everything she says is truth. If you don't know, now you know. All you ever gotta say is, Hurt that, hurt that, hurt that, hurt that, hurt that. Look, all you ever gotta say is, Hurt that, hurt that. Be in the know of new episodes that are coming up on the podcast at heardthatwithmarisa.com. I'm also available on Instagram at Marisa Tigney Podcast, on Twitter at Lovely Marisa T, as well as Facebook on a social media page, Heard That With Marisa Tigney. I appreciate your continued support. Everything she says is truth. If you don't know, now you know. All you ever gotta say is, Hurt that, hurt that, hurt that, hurt that, hurt that. Look, all you ever gotta say is, Hurt that, hurt that.